Welcome to Credentialist Podcast, your HR healthcare kit. Emily. How are you today? I'm well. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. I'd love to start by hearing a little bit about your your story, how you got to be in this position. It sounds like you're in quite an interesting space in the market and one that from what we see is seeing great opportunity with the sort of rise in people needing that kind of care in the home that visiting angels can, can provide, but also time of difficulty, I'd say, in, in the staffing market. So I, I'd just love to hear a little bit about that. Anything you can share is uh, very gratefully received. So I'm Emily Fugel. I'm the Director of Operations for Visiting Angels, um, which is a franchise company. So we have two franchises in New Hampshire, one in Auburn and one in Guilford. Um, so I started in HR actually in the telecommunications field. So about five years ago, I moved into home care. Um, and it's a completely different type of field, different type of candidates and employees and so forth, but the same you know, concepts, you know, from human resources, recruiting, retention, things like that. Um, you know, we're fighting right now in the home care, healthcare industry. The need for care, you know, is extreme. You know, even before COVID, with the aging population in our state, um, you know, the need for care um, in homes was increasing, you know, uh, and it's expected and projected to continue increasing in the, in the next five years or so. And then with COVID, a lot more people are trying to stay out nursing homes, facilities. Um, so again, you have the need just continue to increase. So we are finding, of course, it's difficult to hire. Um, you know, so not only do we want to continue hiring, but we need to focus on retention too. So we've been doing a lot of different things, really focusing on, you know, trying to grow in sectors of the populations. Um, you know, the name of Visiting Angels is pretty well known, but really educating the communities um, because we need to be able to get people from different industries, you know, interested in home care and healthcare that way. Um, so really just looking at different recruiting sources, um, making those connections, getting people in the door. Um, you know, we don't want to decrease our expectations for caregivers because, you know, we still need to focus on quality care at all times. Um, but it's really, you know, focusing a little bit more on retention. We have a great training program, a great mentor program for our employees. Um, and it's also showing just appreciation. They keep cards, gift cards, little surprises, um, you know, really go a long way. We're finding so um, focusing, you know, on our new staff, but also the current staff to keep them working. There's a few points you touched on there that I think are really important, like quality, you know, often we see uh, in the markets that, that we're established in that if you're trying to engage someone in home care, it's one of the most high trust positions that there is. It, you've got someone that's coming in and taking care of a loved one, particularly someone that's vulnerable in their domestic environment. There's few things that require more trust than that. And so often in a job that unfortunately in, in the market that we're in does not pay uh, as well as perhaps it should, you're competing against other employers, say, you know, Walmart or, or Texaco or whoever really that have a much easier onboarding process. You know, these people aren't going to need a background check to work at a supermarket necessarily. Mm -hmm. 
And so that's one of the things that we see perpetually as a problem. And I'd love to talk to you. I think you hit the nail on the head with retention and appreciation and making sure that you take care of the good people that you have and keeping them. But how do you see that problem of finding people that are of sufficient quality worthy of that task, which I think is a very noble one in a market that's that's very difficult now to to get those those people. And you really, you know, hit the nail, you know, we're, we're competing, you know, with the customer service industry, the food service industry, you know, you see these companies increasing their starting rate of pay. You see a lot of times, you know, sign on bonuses and you know, huge amounts of money that they're giving people to get them through the door. And, um, you know, I, I think one thing that we really are trying to focus on is, you know, sharing that this is a rewarding career. It's not for somebody that just wants a paycheck, um, you know, but really wants to make a difference in somebody's life. Um, so really focusing on the career potential. Um, you know, we try our best to have, you know, that growth opportunity. So if somebody wants to start as a caregiver, you know, they can then become a caregiver mentor and work with some new caregivers joining the field, you know, in a year or two. There's potential for an office position, a case manager position. Um, so depending on where they're looking to grow, you know, we want to support them, you know, in any way possible. A lot of times too, people just are looking for the caregiver role because it is one that's flexible. It is one that, you know, they know that they're, you know, impacting somebody's life. And that's fine too. It's really just finding what motivates somebody and really going after that uh, you know and really you know it's it's weeding out those candidates that you know will jump ship the minute that they're offered something more so it's really um you know educating them on what a caregiver is you know and how important the role is you know and you know sharing that it's it's more of a career rather than a job that's very profound isn't it it's you want to find people that are motivated by the work as it is which is to take care of someone that's vulnerable, that's needy, and to make an impact in their life, but also to to say to them that this isn't the end of the road. There's ways that you could do this in a way that's more impactful. You could mm -hmm. become more senior in this organization. You could, if you wish, take on more responsibility. And maybe that's not for everybody. Some people do enjoy that one-to-one -one personal care. I personally was a, an emergency physician, and okay. you know, I I loved that role. It's it's. It's very rewarding. It's very impactful. There's opportunities for management positions, but there's some people that just really like that one-to-one -one provision of care. But equally, I think what you said about retention, about sort of backing your best people and showing them that there's a way that they can grow in the organization is is quite profound. So I'd love to hear any success stories you've had about that. It sounds like you've established quite a bit of experience five years since you were from telecommunications, right? Yeah, and five years myself. So um, I, I find, you know, and I tell people all the time that I should have moved into this industry. I should have joined Business Angels years, you know, before I actually did because I just, I enjoyed so much of the opportunities to grow, you know, even from an office perspective, you know, is really substantial. Um, I, I think just, you know, it's also sharing with employees that we're here for them. You know, we have a lot of applicants at times where they may, um, decline our offer, go work for somebody else. And then a few months later, they are actually calling us back um, because they realized that, you know, the job that they took wasn't for them, you know, and they feel that it would be a bit better fit to be with busy angels and be a caregiver. We also have employees at times, you know, unfortunately, they may need to stop work to go care for a family member or, you know, something along those lines. But it's really just keeping those open doors 
um, open lines of communication, showing that we appreciate, you know, everything that they have done for us. Um, and especially if they leave on good terms and have been great caregivers, you know, we're more than willing to welcome them back. So we actually have a lot of people on staff, a good handful at least, um, that have actually been rehired, you know, and returns visiting angels after, you know, some time away. Yeah, it's something I've seen sort of uh, in the National Health Service in the UK is that often people that are motivated to do caring work find themselves taking care of family members because it's sort of in the nature and their temperament, particularly if they have caregiving responsibilities to a child or to uh, an elderly relative. And so it sounds, yeah, very special that you can keep the door open for those people. But I imagine from a a paperwork and bureaucracy perspective, it, it's quite challenging, right? Because you need to keep those people up to date and maybe re-credential them or, or complete the same pre-employment checks when they come back. Uh, what's that been like as a burden? As, so it, it is a little administrative, of course, because we have certain compliance and training requirements. If somebody is, you know, only going to be out for a month or two or, you know, a short amount of time, we offer a leave of absence. And then um, you know, when they return, we just need to make sure that their credentials are up to date. Um, if it's a situation where somebody, you know, resigns, you know, and they use visiting angels, then um, when they're ready, you know, and interested in reapplying, you know, we take a look to see, you know, one, were they in good standing and do we want to bring them back to the team? And two, you know, where do they stand? Um, because we do have to go through the background checks and, um, potentially, you know, training them up again, things like that. So it just all depends on the amount of time that they've been out of work as well. So there is a cost, of course. However, you know, we find, you know, sometimes it's beneficial to invest in, you know, that rehire, you know, because we're investing, you know, in a new applicant too. And we already know what kind of performance, you know, they're able to provide. Yeah, that's it. And I suppose that removes a lot of the sort of potential risk, you know, you know, you've got a good carer and for whatever reason, they had to take time out and you can bring them back compared to bringing in a completely new applicant off the street that may be impressive on paper, but really until you've had the chance to evaluate them in a caregiving scenario, it's hard to tell, I think sometimes, you know, even with sort of structured interviews, even with sort of evidence of their professional clinical skills. Until you really have seen that person with a client, with a, a patient, it's it's hard to know whether or not they'll be impactful in the way that visiting angels is looking to achieve. So I think that's, that's interesting. I mean, you mentioned sort of the cost and the time. I'd, I'd love to hear sort of a ballpark of, you know, roughly as you see it, how long it takes you to get someone from maybe clicking on a job ad or being vaguely interested to sort of working with one of your uh, clients. Yes. So that's a great question because I know it varies so much, you know, company to company. Um, for busy angels, we, you know, I, I'm primarily focused on, you know, recruiting, you know, um, bringing people on board and so forth. So I spend a lot of my time, you know, reviewing the applicants, reaching out to them, you know, as soon as possible. Um, one thing that we really, you know, are proud of being able to do is reaching and making that contact right away because if somebody applies online or, you know, um, shows interest, you know, if we can get them within the first, you know, 30 minute to an hour, um, we're essentially more likely to actually get in contact with them. We have a lot of people that, you know, have reached out to us, but then, you know, are returning our phone calls afterwards. So um, we want to, you know, really try to get their attention right away 
and you know get them in the door for an interview as soon as possible if they seem like a viable candidate. Um, we try to make offers as quickly as possible if we know that they're you know um, credible, you know, and you know if we have a good feeling about them and want them on our team. Um, with the background checks, we are also required to do you know some um, medical you know checks, physicals, things like that. So it really depends on how quickly they're you know, motivated to get that done too. So that kind of dictates how quickly we move on our end. Um, but we've seen people um, apply, interview, and start, you know, within a week or two. Um, but then, right. you know, for others, if they, you know, aren't as quick to get stuff done, you know, it may be, you know, two or three weeks. Um, so it really just depends on the candidate as well. I mean, that's superb. Firstly, contacting people within 30 minutes to an hour is sort of best in class. So um, well, well done. And uh, through the background checks that you must have to do is um, is extremely impressive. So what kind of volume are you doing roughly? Feel free to sort of give a a range, but are we talking sort of 10 candidates a month, 100, 1,000? Yeah, so so we have two franchises. Um, One is significantly larger than the other. Um, So I'd say roughly, and we'd probably speak to at least 175, 200 um, give or take, like some months, and maybe you know, one forty, one fifty. Um, you know, and and a lot of those, you know, may be you know that we're trying to get in touch with them, and then we don't hear back. So it's you know not necessarily that you know these are all the people that we're connecting with and bringing them in and so forth. Um, some people, you know, I find many apply to a job. You know, we reach out once or twice, and then you know we don't hear from them. But then next month, they may actually you know return our call. So. Um, yeah, we don't want to spend too much time trying to, you know, get in touch with somebody that's not being responsive to us because likewise, you know, if we're, you know, bringing them on board of reaching out about shifts and potential clients and they're not returning our calls, it, it kind of gives us that first indicator, um, of that risk. So, um, we try to reach out, you know, I'd say probably about two times, you know, phone and email, um, you know, and if we don't hear back from them, then we're not going to spend too much more time trying to connect yeah, it makes sense it, it's a big investment right to get people I don't want to say processed but you know through the checks that are required and through the training and uh, to the point where you're happy to put them safely in front of a client it's a lot of trust is involved both ways I think so yeah you don't want to be chasing up people uh, mm-hmm. that you don't feel like you're pushing on an open door right <laughs> <laughs> but equally I imagine people have circumstances that change and there will be some of those people that come back. But um, so 175 to 200 sort of contacts uh, a month. And do you have an internal target for how many people you actually try and kind of get online and, and ready to, to sit with clients? Yeah, and so, so it, it fluctuates, you know, depending on the need for care. Um, you know, what we're finding right now, we actually have a wait list for potential clients. So um, our goal is to get as many quality candidates, you know, hired. Um, so we don't necessarily have, you know, a certain number per month, for example. Um, you know, I always try to strive for at least, you know, five to ten. Um, you know, some months we have more, some we have less. Um, so it really, it just depends on the nature of, you know, the business at the time. I see. I mean, it's a good position to be in, I suppose, to have a wait list for for clients and kind of speaks to your reputation in the space. And as you say, I think there's a growing demand for that kind of domiciliary care and, and care in the home, um, given everything that's happened over the last two years and, and given the nature of the, the aging population. So 
I presume the business is is growing. You mentioned it was a franchise. Uh, I'd love to hear any sort of of the growth plans that you can share, if that's okay. Yeah, so so we're we're definitely looking to grow, um, but we need to make sure it's manageable for our staff. Um, You know, we're looking right now currently to bring some care um, case managers on board, so increase you know the office team. Um, But again, you know, with the job market and the job um, candidate pool being you know a little competitive you know it's it's definitely a challenge because we want to make sure it's the right fit especially for that type of position um you know with COVID, you know we did take a little hit um you know with our clientele you know caregivers because a lot of our caregivers you know had to you know take time out of work to you know be there for their children with remote learning you know care for family members a lot of our caregivers may be older at times too so they you know were of course concerned for their health so um we're definitely you know regating you know and growing you know and kind of surpassing where we were um you know and essentially it's really the sky's the limit um you know one of our franchises um we were the first in the state actually in new hampshire so we've been in business about 18 years total um so we're just you know looking to really continue that good reputation and you know making sure that we provide the quality care that people deserve yeah. And I think there's always that tension between growth and quality, right? As in the reason that I presume you have pressure to grow, the reason that there's people that want to engage with your service is because of that reputation of quality. And unfortunately, that means sometimes it can be uh, put a limit on your rate of growth, if you like, if you need to get good people and it's a challenging labor market. And and we hear this from all sectors in, in the US, you know, domiciliary, primary care, secondary care. It's a very challenging environment to hire people at the moment. I'd love to just sort of ask a little bit about kind of the onboarding experience for your candidates. So sort of how do you manage that process? How do you take them through sort of the forms and the back and forth email and and, and getting them sort of ready to work? Is there any tech that you use or services? Yeah, we, we have an applicant trapping um, system that we use so that, you know, helps with um, posting our jobs, you know, getting those applications through. We also use it for our onboarding forms, um, which is very helpful and, you know, time saving for sure. Um, if somebody, you know, is not very tech savvy, you know, we still have paper forms that they can fill out as well. Um, but essentially, you know, I try to keep in touch with them at least every week, you know, or so just to kind of see how they're coming along with their process, keep them posted on our progress as well. Um, we, you know, have them come in for orientation. So we make sure, you know, all the paperwork gets done and things like that. They get some initial training. We set them up also for a shadow chef. So they actually get to go out with another caregiver just for, you know, a couple hours to really see what the job entails and, you know, understand, you know, what's expected. And so we're not just throwing them out and wishing them well. We want to make sure we support them. We also, with our mentoring program, have them touch base with their mentor, you know, within the first week or so. So that um, right now is over the phone. So that's an agreed upon time to have a phone call. And it really just gives that additional support system, you know, in addition to the office team, you know, supporting them. So they're able to discuss different scenarios, ask different questions, you know, best practices. So they get a lot of, you know, um, support, you know, from peers as well as, you know, their, you know, case managers and so forth. It's remarkable. I mean, what you do for your attention. So you, you alluded to kind of the, the thank you cards and the, the gifts, but the mentoring program and, and sort of the career progression plan, if you like, or, or showing people they can 
growing the organization is it's it's very commendable again talk to a lot of people in the space and uh sounds like you're doing something quite special there so that's exciting to hear and i think you know from a business perspective you just have to make that decision that you know it, it is an investment you know it's an investment for the mentor program all the training that we do we do additional you know dementia training hospice training things like that and it, it's really you know you're you're putting the money up front if you will you know and yeah. investing in people that may or may not you know work out but you know, at the same time too, we want to get them to where they need to be, you know, and be confident, you know, that they're providing the best service, you know, to maintain our reputation too. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose from a sort of purely commercial or kind of operational and financial perspective, having that sort of low churn, having a consistent workforce that you've done the the checks for and obviously presumably have to manage their compliance and ensure that they stay up to date with training and things. But that's, a, from what we see, a much more economical way to run a business than having sort of a high churn, high recruitment, having to process all those new checks for new people. I'd love to know sort of what your your churn rate is, because uh, I imagine I'll be sort of similarly impressed with the way that you've been investing and in retaining people. Yes. So unfortunately, you know, we, we, we still have, you know, as much as we do to retain and attract the right people, you know, we do still have turnover, you know, yeah. um, it, it rages. We, you know, we've been as low as, you know, 30, 40%, you know, and as high as, you know, 50, 60% at time. So it, it just fluctuates. Um, one thing that we're really, you know, focusing more on, I'd say this year is, um, you know, bringing people in, you know, training them up, you know, supporting that and, and providing additional coaching and support, but at the same time too, evaluating them quicker to see if this truly is a good fit for them. Because, um, you know, if it's not, then, you know, we need to make those difficult decisions and it's sometimes best to do that earlier rather than later. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, from your point of view and their point of view, right? So the quicker you can establish that, the fewer costs you incur as a business and the sort of less of your time, your team's time is spent, but also for the candidate, I suppose, if it's not a good fit, then there's something else they should perhaps better be doing. So mm-hmm. I'd love to know a, a little bit more about your team. Is it just you that, that's working on all of this or do you have people working uh, underneath you to help you with all of the, the admin? Yeah. So, so right now, um, you know, it's primarily, um, you know, I do all like the recruiting stuff. You know, we do have other staff members that are going into the field, you know, really sharing the word, you know, to attract, you know, potential clients as well as caregivers. So um, it's really a team operator, you know, everybody's a recruiter, everybody's a marketer um, in this type of business. So it's really, you know, making sure everybody's on board with that. Um, You know, I may be the one that handles, you know, most of the applicant phone calls and, you know, interviews and so forth, but I do have other team members that will help then jump in, you know, if needed to, um, depending on, you know, the size of our office staff, you know, we have had other, um, individuals, you know, taking on like the initial phone call, you know, contacts and things like that. But at this current point, I, you know, pretty much handle a lot of it myself. You must be a busy lady. Yeah, it, it's fun. It keeps, it keeps me busy. You know, it's interesting. Yeah, you know, just all the different people that you speak with. You know, a lot of people sometimes apply not realizing what type of job this is. So you're able to educate them and, you know, share your experience with them as well. In terms of making sure that these people stay up to date. So, you know, we see typically this sort of between 10 and 30 checks still have to be performed on someone that's providing some form of medical or domicil- 
domiciliary care and most of those will expire and often that's quite burdensome for an organization so how do you approach that is it sort of a spreadsheet in an email situation or is there some kind of automation you have for that yeah so we actually have with our scheduling um software we have you know the client information we have all the schedules you know um, housed in the software and then from the staff and caregiver perspective, we have, you know, all of their information housed. So we can quickly see, you know, when their driver's license is due, when their annual training is due, you know, things like that. Um, and we actually use it in a way that we set different tasks and reminders. So I typically pull a monthly report, you know, so I know who is coming due for their training, for example. Um, but we, you know, really are proactive as much as we can to ensure that you know it gets scheduled when it needs to get scheduled um, but we use those reminders and tasks as well you know to help us kind of keep track of everything um and we you know we'll send emails we'll make phone calls you know any sort of you know any form of communication really to keep people aware of you know what's coming due what's due what's overdue um to be sure that everybody is on top of it Fantastic. And and sort of on the on the books right now, how many people would you say you're responsible for compliance of? So with our yeah, so with our two franchises, I'm saying we have roughly about 130 give or take caregivers total. Yes, that's a lot of uh, emails a month and notifications and phone calls, I imagine. And but but you know, at, at the same time too, you know, those both whilst it's a great way to check in, show that, you know. Um, you know, we're thinking about them, seeing how things are going too. So, you know, it's not just a phone call to, hey, you know, this is due. It's, hey, how are things going? You know, so it kind of gives us that dual opportunity to, you know, keep tabs on our employees. Yeah. And I think that's important, isn't it? Because often that relationship that you build with them helps you place them with the next client potentially mm -hmm. or helps sort of learn more about what's motivating them. You know, if trying to save for a holiday and so they're maybe willing to pick up extra shifts or if they're sort of finding a certain type of work particularly rewarding or a certain type of work particularly stressful or burdensome, that kind of not face-to-face, -face, it's down the phone, but sort of that that human connection I think is important mm -hmm. and I think can be lost if um, it becomes a, an endless process of just sort of chasing, hey, this is going to expire in three months if you you know, booked on a course if you done X, Y, Z. So it, it's good to see that you're using the calls for that as well. I mean, what percentage would you say of the time you spend engaging with caregivers is sort of building that relationship versus sort of doing the practicality? He's saying, hey, I need this ball, I need this piece of paper. I answered, so, so one thing that we do, and this is, you know, entire office-wide. So every month we have, you know, a task or a reminder to check in and just check in with them. So it's not a phone call about a shift. It's not a phone call about something that's coming due. Um, you know, so anybody in the office can, you know, take lead, you know, to make that connection. So, um, you know, it, it really doesn't take too much time. You know, it's really just having that meaningful conversation. Um, you know, I think it's important to show appreciation and empathy for our caregivers. You know, yeah. we, it, it's not an easy job. You know, it's a difficult, it's a challenging job at times. So. Really just having that human connection can go a long way. And, you know, with, you know, the compliance piece of things, you know, we may have, you know, 10, you know, five to 10 people a month, you know, do for something. So it's not overly burdensome. It's, you know, really just, you know, making sure to manage it efficiently. Fantastic. I mean, it, it sounds like you've sort of got a very nice mix of both sort of quality and, and, and human touch. 
an efficiency that's uh, it's quite rare. So be curious about sort of you said you've been working for visiting angels or sort of in that in the home care sector for, for five years. How would you say that the recruitment environment has changed in that time? That's a great question. I, I think a lot of times, you know, w- when I first started, you know, um, you know, being a franchise business, you know, the owners, you know, we're doing a great job with everything. Um, when I first started, one of my first, you know, tasks essentially was to review applicant tracking systems because they hadn't been utilized before. So I, I know, you know, from a technology standpoint, things have changed over time. Um, I know one of the things that we evaluated was, you know, the uh, um, artificial intelligence, you know, type of technology, um, you know, texting features and things like that, you know, so essentially somebody apply, let's say instantly get that text message. Um, you know, we, we've decided not yet to move forward in that direction just because we're able to connect with them and contact them pretty quickly ourselves. Um, you know, but it, it's really just being open and flexible to the ever-changing landscape of the company, you know, of recruiting in general, because, you know, as new things come about, we need to be open to at least discussing them and exploring them rather than just sticking to our normal this is how we've always done it. This is how we're always going to do it because, you know, we may be missing out on potential candidates, you know, at that. I think that makes sense. And also, you know, it sounds like you're prepared to go through a period of relatively explosive growth. And what we see often is that people kind of have this awareness that if they were to double the number of candidates that they needed to see a month or double the number of people that they needed to place a month, then in terms of the the human resources, if they're doing things manually, at least some of the things that can be automated, it's going to mean increasing that team, increasing that spend. And there's different, I suppose, requirements for a smaller organization versus a one that's that's growing exponentially. And um, we see people sometimes solve that with technology, uh, but I think it's always important not to lose that human touch. So great job. Um, compared to, to what we see in the market. so um. And I, I'd say, you know, we, we definitely want to grow as an organization, you know, but we're also, you know, at that point where, you know, is it about growth or is it about, you know, maintaining, you know, what we built already. So, you know, I, I think as a business strategically, we kind of go back and forth a little bit, but ideally, you know, the more we grow, the more people we can care for, you know, and I think that's our main goal is to provide, provide the quality care you know, for those, you know, individuals needing it. And that's what it's all about, I suppose. And if you guys are doing a great job and the need for that care is expanding, it's only right that sort of you should expand into that role. But yeah, there is always that tension, I think, between sort of capturing as much demand as you can versus maintaining the kind of core values, which is, as you say, entirely about patient care. So yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting problem, but it sounds like you've got a good handle on it. So yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's interesting. We, we, we go back and forth quite a bit. You know, I work very closely with the owners and directors and, you know, it, it's nice to be able to have a voice at the table, you know, and really have that impact, which is nice. Yeah. I mean, you know, the human capital of the business really is its entire resource, right? So it's, it's good that you have that voice at the table. Um, cause yeah, without that, it would be flying blind, I'd imagine. So I don't want to take up any more of your time. Um, but, uh, I've been very grateful to, to speak with you. Brilliant. Well, Emily, it's been a great pleasure. Um, thank you so much. Um, yeah, and d- definitely just let me know how I can help. Fantastic.
Thank you so much. And uh, you have a great you day. You too. Thank you. Search Credentially for your current healthcare staffing insights.